As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Wheel of Time Spoilers Podcast. Your hosts are Seth Jacobson and Patrick Heiler. Hi, I'm Seth. And I'm Patrick. Do you want to read us in? So we're going to go ahead and finish up the second half of chapter one, as it was a longer one. We just had a perspective switch, which might as well be we're going from Gareth Brynn on his estates and Suwon and Min to jumping back to Camelin with Queen Morghese. This is a very, very Andorran-heavy chapter. Yeah. Yeah, and for the record, for the recording, this is Chapter 1 of the Fires of Heaven, uh, Fanning the Sparks, Part 2. And our symbol was? The Lion of Andor. We just broke this up because it's a giant chapter. It's the prologue chapter, basically. <laughs> Should have probably it starts been getting just rolled. the prologue, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he was trying to not make his prologues as long as they are in the later books, but mm, probably I think just he just gave it. up at some point. He was like, F it, I'm writing a 100-page prologue. It was steel. <laughs> but this is basically the fourth part of the prologue, I think, in my opinion. We did sort of, we've done, this will be our fourth episode yeah. on what should be the prologue of this book, even though it's not. Hopefully that doesn't confuse everybody. <laughs> the High Lady Altima relaxed as the gates of the royal palace of Andor swung open and her carriage rolled in. She had not been certain they would open. It had surely taken long enough to get a note taken in, and longer still to have a reply. Her maid, a thin girl acquired here in Camelin, goggled and all but bounced on the seat across from her at the excitement of actually entering the palace. Snapping open her lace fan, Altima tried to cool herself. It was still well short of midday. The heat would grow worse yet. To think she had always thought of Andor as cool. Hastily, she reviewed what she meant to say one last time. She was a pretty woman. She knew exactly how pretty, with large brown eyes that made some mistakenly think her innocent, even harmless. She knew she was neither, but it suited her very well to have others believe her so, especially here, today. 
This carriage had taken almost the last of the gold she had managed to carry away when she fled Tyr. If she was to re-establish herself, she needed powerful friends, and there was none more powerful in Andor than the women she had come to see. The carriage halted near a fountain in the column-ringed courtyard, and a servant in red and white livery rushed to open the door. Altima barely glanced at the courtyard, or the serving man. Her mind was all on the meeting ahead. Black hair spilled to the middle of her back from beneath a close-fitting cap of seed pearls, and more pearls lined the tiny pleats of her high-necked gown of watery green silk. She had met Morghese once, briefly, five years ago, during a state visit. A woman who had radiated power, as reserved and stately as one should expect of a queen, and also proper, in the Andorian way, which meant prim. The rumors in the city that she had a lover, a man not much liked, it seemed, did not fit that very well, of course. But from what Altima remembered, the formality of the gown and the high neck should please Mergase. Let's talk a little bit about Altima, who she is. She was a... Taryn High Lady. Taryn High Lady. And she poisoned her husband? Right. And, but he survived, and he got placed in the care of one of her rivals. Rand then exiled her and told her, you are going to go rebuild Kyrian, which is part of why she's like, this is better than Kyrian. She's actually directly disobeying Rand's orders by showing up in the palace. Right. She ran, basically, as she expects her now enemies, including her husband being one of her enemies that she tried to kill, to send assassins for her or try to kill her back. So she's... Left with the col- column, headed to Kyrian, and at some point she broke away from it and headed off to Andor by herself. And you know what her ultimate fate ends up being? She is made into a lady's maid, I think. Um, after, because Grandel, she serves Grandel for a while, I think. Well, so basically what happens is now, af- at the end of the scene, Gabriel's like, maybe I will keep her around for a while. So she becomes one of his pets. Right. And essentially is under compulsion from him. And then later she turns up, someone matching her description turns up in Grendel's palace. So at some point, the assumption is Gabriel uh, either gave, obviously, Rabin either gave Altima to Grendel or Grendel went in and took it after Rabin's death. Took her. And once once you're under Grendel's compulsion, you're dead. Yeah. You're, you're not one of your Grendel's pets are not alive. Their brains are fried. I thought that was really fitting because in in this scene, right, it's just after my read-in. Okay, so Altima leaves the carriage and then this young lady that she's hired to be her lady's maid who is not actually trained in any way to do that. She's just a regular type of maid, I assume. I I, I think she's just a peasant she picked off the street to serve her. Right. Promised her like a silver coin or something, you know. I'll I'll actually just read this little part. Altima leaves the carriage. The girl rushes out to try to, like, fuss with her gown and make it, you know, whatever, right? And that's not the time to do that, right? Like, people are watching them. You're supposed to be all mm. whatever. And, Prim and proper. Right. Um, and she slaps the girl's wrist with her fan. And she has this thought later. Altima compressed her lips in irritation. The girl did not even know how to take a mild reproof. She had been fooling herself. This girl would not do. She was too obviously untrained. But a lady had to have a maid, especially if she was to differentiate herself from the mass refugees in Andor. She had seen men and women laboring in the sun, even begging in the streets, while wearing the remnants of Kyrian and Noble's garb. 
She thought she recognized one or two. And then she th- and then she goes on and thinks, perhaps she should take one of them in service. Who could know the duties of a lady's maid better than a lady? And that's exactly what ends up happening to her. Well, I was going to say, it ends, it's what ends up happening to Queen Morghese. She ends up serving Fayil as a queen's maid, basically. Yeah. Weird. I don't think, Alth- I think Ultima just ends up being, yeah, I mean, she's just mind crushed. I, th- I, always, I thought that was foreshadowing for what happens to Morghese. Oh, I mean, I guess you could say it happens to both of them. Sure. These two powerful, incre- very powerful women meeting in a room, and shortly they won't have any power at all. They'll just be more poor refugees out in the right, world. Right. Well, in the meantime, Ravine's totally changing the political situation in Camelon. He's setting himself up as a king. Right. Which is not normal. So he's doing a lot of work and a lot of compulsion, I think, to make that happen. A tall young man appears to escort Ultima into the palace, whose name is Talonvor. As we know, also... Lieutenant Talonvor. Is that the first time we see him? No, no, he escorts Randin when he falls over the garden wall. Oh, that's right, yeah. Oh, young Talonvor. Oh, young Talonvor. Who, hey, he gets gets together with Queen Morghese. He can't knock that, right? I mean, yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> he gets to marry the crush that he has after taking a shit ton of abuse while she figures out that she's not the queen anymore. Yeah. Because she acts like she's the queen long after she gives up the title. I think she just doesn't know how else to be or who to be. <laughs> she's always been queen. Yeah. We see a lot of Eltima thinking as she's like escorted through the palace grounds and in, into into the palace itself. And basically, I think to summarize this, she's what she's looking to do is get taken in by Morghese, gain her sympathy, and then be set up pref- in some kind of a marriage, preferably with an older. I think her words are frail. Uh, malleable, feeble, and infirm, like older men. <laughs> She's looking to be like inherit, you know. Yeah, she wants to be a trophy wife, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's her goal. Of course, that's the first step to taking yeah. that stuff and moving mm-hmm. on. You know, I mean, she's a schemer. It's not a bad plan. It could have worked in a different time. And she's a hot schemer, right? Like, I mean, she's plying on her looks. She's depending on her looks to get her rich husband, basically. Yeah. She just ends up with getting a little too dangerous. She was going once. I didn't really want a Forsaken to take notice of me. I was going for, like, minor noble. <laughs> like, this. there's a little punching above her weight class there when she ran into uh, Ravine. Yeah. Brought to Queen Morghese, uh, who Tima notes is so beautiful that she doesn't want to be seen next to her. Did you notice Talonvor's suddenly rough voice when he introduced her to Queen Morghese? Yeah, I was wondering what that meant. I didn't have a good conclusion. Oh, he's just totally got a crush. Yeah, that's he's like, he's like, yes, come this way. And then he sees Morghese, he's like, <clears throat> this is uh, this lady, all the all And then he trips <clears throat> on the way out. Yeah, and then, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's totally schoolboy crushing right there. <laughs> This is the. Uh, I think he focuses a little bit on like Morghese's dress, just sort of showing her as, you know, dr- oh, not right. dressing like a conservative person anymore. She's not dressing like uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher. She's going, you know, all out, you know, low cut dress, hanging out. Uh, and she was all about being some skin conservative like that a couple of years ago when they met. So this has totally thrown Altima off. She was trying to. She got this dress specifically so that it would be within Morghese's like acceptability range. You know. And she walks in, and Morghese is dressed like Grandel or something. 
Right. <laughs> well, like, what? Like, who, who is like this Like a person? woman trying to please a man. Right. It's kind of... Uh, and, of course, we know that, really, this is all Ravine's idea, and she's like a... She's a toy to him. Right, right. No, and I, and I like the little... The way it undercuts her authority. It's like saying, uh, basically, because she has lowered herself to dress this way for a man when she would never do that on her own. She's giving up some of the independence that she would normally have for being the queen. And I, I, I mean, I th- think I can understand what Altim is getting at there that, you know, if you're the head of a state, you don't, you dress in a certain way, in mm-hmm. a conservative way, you know, you wear the suit or you go Margaret Thatcher, right? If you're a woman, you wear these conservative clothing. Pants suits, that sort of thing. Right, you wouldn't wear a bikini to a state visit. <laughs> or even just like a, a cocktail dress, a slinky, low-cut, slit-up-the-leg cocktail dress to like a state event. People are just going to be like, right. maybe not appropriate. When I was thinking about it, I mean, I, I, it, isn't, it's, it isn't considered appropriate even in our society, but it did make me think a little bit. There's like some weird women and sexuality and power and whatever happening here that I don't also going to slowly acknowledge and slowly back away from if because she's a sexual being or has a sexy body she can't be what she can't be no you know (laughs) there's some of that at the same time like you know you don't see Paul Ryan out there in his lifting shirt and sweats like showing off flexing (laughs) like there's an appropriate he's in his suit right like he clearly lifts that's something that he was all about but you know I'm representing an entire nation just because I know he's known for lifting you know but like yeah you you don't you're freaking polite and you dress how everyone else is dressing because that's what you do I don't know right yeah you're not out there and cut off jeans and like a you know an a-shirt I had one question. Altima's wondering why she's wearing the ring still, despite the fallout. With the tower. With the tower. And I was just wondering if you had a take on that. Perhaps because her mind isn't all there. Um, and Ravine might not even really understand what the ring means. So this thing is, it's sort of a conflict. So that she is actually supportive of the tower in real life. And so she wears the ring. And Grendel hasn't made her to... And- Ravine hasn't made her take her off because he doesn't know. Um, after that, uh, Morghese asks Altima how her husband is aptly. <laughs> and Altima's like, um, oh, Tadosian was well when I last saw him, which he was, because he had just recovered from her assassination attempt against him. Right. Because uh-huh. I failed to kill him. <laughs> he was of some question about serving this Randalthor, and that is a dangerous chasm to straddle. Why? Lords have been hung as if they were common criminals. Yeah, that's that real, that Terran idea that nobles are somehow different than normal people and are allowed to just kill them or abuse them with no consequences. Or, yeah, and they at least can't be held accountable for their own crimes, really. Not against the common people, only against other nobles. Although, Um, Rand is changing that. See, Morghais recall that she had met Randalthor once. He really didn't look like the Dragon Reborn, but Elida warned me about him. Which was Lida's foretelling. We saw that. Yeah. Altima asks, Oh, Elida was your advisor. Have you replaced her now that she's Amerlin? And Morghese's eyes snapped back into focus. I have not. And then randomly kind of returns. My daughter Elaine is training in the tower. She's something was really weird about that. I think it's probably, it must be in Ravine's 
specific compulsion that she can't be spending time with Aes Sedai because if she is, they might realize what's happening. Right. And also that she hates the Aes Sedai. This, this, that whenever they're brought up, she has to basically say, I yeah. don't like the Aes Sedai. And then immediately, but she's proud of her daughter and he can't like make that go away. And she's proud that her daughter and she actually does like the Aes Sedai. That's the whole, that's the conflict is he's making her break with them as well as like say things. Yeah. You know, treat her kingdom like shit. But like, she has this internal conflict where she's supposed to be doing the right thing and he's making her do the wrong thing. And, but only on the specific, she's constantly fighting. He, t- he talked about how he ha- he's got one with him that's constantly fighting against that compulsion. And clearly more gaze is that one. Right. She's also, she's got that strong will quality and also a channeler, although a really, really weak one, which may yep. help a bit. We do see that even a light connection to the one power seems to, to help with some resistance to compulsion like with i feel like with warders and even with with really not powerful i said i just that little bit of touch to the one power can really help you right and maybe even just being able to understand what's happening around you you know when they start talking about rand dragon reborn ultima says he really can channel i was in the stone when it fell all this calendar was mm-hmm. in his hand when it did so he's definitely the dragon reborn Again, more recap in chapter one, but just in case you didn't remember what happened in the last four books, because that's, you know, the series is starting to get significant. There's starting to be a big chunk of back history to pick up before you can pick the story up where it currently is. Really, and we talked about that, how in The Shadow Rising, the storylines really diverge and split and multiply. And so that's where I think these early chapters are becoming both have the complicated stuff in them that we like, but also have a fair amount of recap, which is why we're sort of blowing through, uh, skipping big chunks, because it's like, yeah, that's what happened in the last book, we know. Morgay says at one point, tell me more about him, this man who is supposed to save us and destroy us doing it. And Altima spends a long time trying to talk about Randall Thor and give as much information as she can. And And I think this this is Morgay's outside of compulsion. This is just Morghese being Queen Morghese. Right. She sums it up by saying, You must understand, Altima finished, that I have only touched the surface. Randall Thor and what he has done in Tyr are subjects for hours. You will have them, Morghese said, and in her mind Altima smiled. Success. Is it true, the Queen went on, that he brought the Aiel with him to the stone? Um, and they go on. And I, I do think that this is real Morghese here. I think that if Morghese had been presented with this situation without the compulsion, she would have gladly accepted Altima into the palace and used her for some, you know, now she has this Terran connection. Sure. Yeah, yeah, she's absolutely. A, she's a high lady. She's valuable just for being alive. Now she's a snake. Well, uh, yeah. I think Morghese would have figured that one out. But. Well, I think Morghese knows that. Yeah. But in comes Ravine. And he walks in and just cuts off Marguez mid-sentence. Yeah. Has that arrogance, that assurance that, that points him out as, you know, equal to a queen, which is, you know, typical MO of any Forsaken. Right. Whenever some random-ass person has the arrogance or more arrogance than a king or a queen, you're like, okay, that's a Forsaken in hiding. From Altima's perspective, uh... But the compulsion is just so obvious now that I'm like... Oh, yeah. Now that you know, when you know it's there. And this gets good in a second. The assurance with which he had interrupted the queen basically let her know exactly who he was. 
well, not exactly, but that he must be her lover because that's the only person. Right. Yeah. And she knows from the rumors that her lover is this new guy, Gabriel. Yeah. And I, I you know, I know I had an extra syllable in there. I know it's Gabriel. I say Gabriel. It's Gabriel. Oh, I wasn't even noticing. Yeah, it's Gabriel. That's close enough. Uh, <laughs> these names are hard in this series. I actually, this is a total side note, but uh, you know the cook, well, uh, Justin, a grain and gristle. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've if you've met him, but he. We spent a long time talking about King Killer Chronicles, and then he he picked up Watt because he knew I do the podcast and stuff, and he's on like book two or three now. Nice. And uh, I was just having a long conversation with him the other day, and he was like, Kairian? What the hell, man? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, it's Kyrian. And I just walked him through like a bunch of different. <laughs> <laughs> How do we do these pronunciations? He's like, that's uh, obnoxious. <laughs> I know I'm not hitting them all right either. There's no way. Nobody gets them. Nobody gets them all right. Not even Michael Craig. Michael Craiding. Jesus. <laughs> Michael Kramer and Kate Redding. They don't. Oh, you know. One thing I've been listening as I listen to the eBooks over and over and over, or the audiobooks over and over again. I think that Michael Kramer and Kate Redding actually change the pronunciation of the characters based on whose perspective they're from. Whoa. And that's why. The different. That's why we have different pronunciations. Is because like people from Andor are going to pronounce Kyrian different than people from Tyr, and I don't know if they're just that good that they're able to like take one word and figure out how it's pronounced in different regions and then pronounce it differently, or if it's more of just its names are hard. I'm going to choose to believe that they are so good. <laughs> they're that good. <laughs> that depending on who's saying the name is how they pronounce it. Yeah. I think there are actually a couple. Going back through, there's a couple of examples. I want to ask them about that when we see them in September. Isn't that crazy? We can just go. I'm like, no, why don't we just wait and ask them? (laughs) Never would have thought that would happen. So Gabriel sends out the servants and then dismisses Morghese to talk to Altima by by himself. And he compels the fuck out of her. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. I'll try to not read the rest of the chapter. (laughs) <laughs> Tell me why you came. Well, here's, I think, the important line. Tell me why to came, you came to Camelin, Altima. Again, the chill ran through her. And that chill is the chill of compulsion. On yeah. Her. And it happens several times while he's talking to her. Yeah. It, it's always giving her a little encouragement, making her say what he wants. His eyes still in Altima sent that shiver through her again. And this time he, she gasped aloud. Oh, right at the beginning. You come from Tear? The sound of his deep voice sent a tingle through her. Her skin, even her bones, felt as though they had been dipped in icy water. But oddly, her momentary anxiety melted. So she's simultaneously, like, shocked and soothed. And then yeah. it happens again when he talks to her again, and then he sends Morghese away. Morghese stood imme- immediately, still smiling at him devotedly. Her eyes seemed slightly glazed. Yes, I am tired. I will take a nap now, Gabriel. Isn't, doesn't this lead to her escaping? Or is that later? I always forget what triggers her... Oh, that's a good uh, question. ...going to Lenny's apartments. I don't remember the exact moment. I think it is later, when he's got a bunch of women basically around him. I'm going to try to find out really quickly. Oh, okay. It's not until chapter 19 when she hears about the revolt in Two Rivers. So that's Perrin's Tavirinus that reaches out. Mm. So basically, he, he does hear in this chapter what he does later in chapter 19, where he says, go to bed. But in chapter 19, she like goes to see Linny instead. 
or he says go read or something. I, I can't remember exactly what go the, rest the or something is. like that. Go rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which like. And see how that's within the interpretable lines of go rest is like go hang out mm-hmm. at your maid's apartment. Well, and, and she gets so fucking pissed at Perrin for rebelling that she's actually able to break <laughs> yeah. her compulsion. That's really what it boils down to is like that's nothing makes her as angry as, re- you know, that's my land. And she like rebels because like Ravine's like, whatever, I don't give a shit. That's the way out west. doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And she's like, no, we have to do something. That's Morghese for you. I'm going to read us out. Okay. Gabriel paid no more attention to Morghese's leaving than she did. Taking the chair the queen had vacated, he leaned back with his boots stretched out in front of him. Tell me why you came to Camelin, Altima. Again, the chill ran through her. The absolute truth, but keep it brief. You can give me details later, if I want them. She did not hesitate. I tried to poison my husband and had to flee before Tadosian and that troll Astanda could kill me instead, or worse. Randall Thor meant to let them do it, as an example. Telling made her cringe, not because it was a truth she had kept hidden so much as because she had found she wanted to please him more than anything else in the world, and she feared that he might send her away. But he wanted the truth. I chose Camelin because I could not bear Ilion, and though Andor is little better, Kyrian is in ruins. In Camelin, I can find a wealthy husband, or one who thinks he is my protector if need be, and use his power to... He stopped her with a wave of his hand, chuckling. A vicious little cat, though pretty. Perhaps pretty enough to keep, with your teeth and claws drawn. Suddenly, his face became more intent. Tell me what you know of Randall Thor and especially his friends, if he has any, his companions, his allies. She told him, talking until her mouth and throat went dry, and her voice cracked and rasped. She never raised her goblet until he told her to drink. Then she gulped the wine down and spoke on. She could please him. She could please him better than Morghese could think of. The maids working in Morghese's bedchamber dropped hasty curtsies, surprised to see her there in the middle of the morning. Waving them out of the room, she climbed onto her bed, still in her dress, for a time, she lay staring at the gilded carvings of the bedposts. No lions of Andor here, but roses, for the rose crown of Andor. But roses suited her better than lions. Stop being stubborn, she chided herself, then wondered why. She had told Gabriel she was tired, and... Or had he told her? Impossible. She was the queen of Andor, and no man told her to do anything. Gareth. Now why had she thought of Gareth Bryn? He had certainly never told her to do anything. The captain general of the queen's guards obeyed the queen, not the other way around, but he had been stubborn, entirely capable of digging in his heels until she came around to his way. Why am I thinking of him? I wish he were here. That was ridiculous. She had sent him away for opposing her, about what no longer seemed quite clear, but that was not important. He had opposed her. She could remember the feeling she had for him only dimly, as though he had been gone for years. Surely it had not been so long. Stop being stubborn. Her eyes closed, and she fell immediately into sleep, a sleep troubled by restless dreams of running from something she could not see. Fighting the compulsion with her convictions, without even knowing she's under compulsion. The strength of her own will. Totally. And uh, that whole, like, why do I want Gareth Bryn here? Because you didn't really want to send him away. That was compulsion. You wanted him there. You know, it's, it's amazing what you can make someone do with compulsion. Anything you want. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Time Spoilers podcast. Rate us in the Apple Podcast app or support us on Patreon. Is that good enough?
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.